Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Try to imagine this. The year is 1944, and Germany is at war with England. Now, suppose you had a dual citizenship with both Germany and England, but you are living in Germany. How would you be treated? Well, conversely, suppose you had a dual citizenship with both Germany and England, but you're living in England during this war. How would you be treated? In either case, you would be forced to renounce your citizenship in the opposing country and declare your loyalty to the country in which you found yourself in that dreaded time. In other words, there would be no middle ground. They would never allow dual citizenship in Germany and England during World War II. And we cannot have dual citizenship in this world. You and I, we belong to the kingdom of God by living in Christ and live also in the kingdom of darkness at the same time. They are diametrically and violently opposed to each other. The spiritual war going on for the hearts of men and women in this world is no less intense than the war that took place by the Axis and the Allies in World War II. The only difference, church, would be tactics. The evil one has mankind today by the throat because of sin. He wishes to destroy us. Not only in this life, but he wishes to destroy and keep us in hell forever. God, on the other hand, loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross at Calvary to make a way for our sins to be forgiven. And to adopt us into his family and give us eternal life. You see, Jesus once taught with his disciples, he said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. As a matter of fact, according to Matthew 6, chapter or verse 24 and 26, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either they will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And he goes on to say, you cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew six twenty four and 26. Now I understand when reading this that Jesus was talking about serving God versus serving money. But I believe the principle is true. We cannot serve two masters. That's the principle. You and I, as fully devoted followers of God, we cannot have a dual citizenship here on earth. Think about this. Have you ever heard the term saved mosquitoes? 
You're like, save mosquitoes? Let me share a story with you. This past Monday, I found myself outside for an extended period of time. And that night, I noticed that I was riddled with mosquito bites. As I looked down and I saw the little red marks all over my legs, I began to scratch and itch them. And you know, it's not just, it's like, it's like, you know, lace potato chips. You can't just eat one. You got to scratch it right until it's like, I don't itch anymore. And I had a bunch. And I began to think about this as I was scratching. And you guys know how this works. A mosquito will fly around until it sees me. That's what it do. Okay. And then they don't stop there. They see me, and then they call their friends and said, there's a party on Ben Ben Martinez. Get over here. Get over here. He has the sweetest blood. And so all of their friends gathered together, found me, swooped down, poked their nose into me, and sucked my blood out, and then flew away. Well, if I'm saved and spirit-filled then I believe those mosquitoes that sucked my blood should be saved and sanctified. Now, I know what you're thinking. Ben has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Mosquitoes, Ben, came after the fall. And some of you in this room can't wait till it freezes to kill all the mosquitoes off so you could sit in your backyard. So what are you talking about? There's no way a mosquito can be saved. And that's the point exactly. You see, they cannot have dual citizenship. And it's the same for us. Many of you have actually heard this saying, Oh, Christian, you are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And yet Paul under the power of the Holy Spirit, teaches us that with our mind on heaven, it actually helps us in our earthly life. But we cannot have a divided heart. Now you need to know something. Before our leadership got on a plane and went to our conference, I had finished my study on Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon. I had no idea what the theme was there in, in Colorado. I had no idea. I had already finished my sermon. And the whole conference, the Lord spoke about having a divided heart. And I thought when I read this, I was like, Lord, wow, we can't have a divided heart. We'll either be loyal to one and hate the other, or we'll serve one and not the other. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, first and foremost, Paul wants to share with us what we need to do. And he goes, what's that? If you're taking note, he says, we need partners in our journey toward heaven. We need partners. 
Oh, no, 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 I'm not asking somebody to, hey, let's do, let's do heaven together. I'm saying we need, we need each other. We need each other. Whether you want to admit it or not, I need you and you need me. We're partners. We're partners. We need like-minded believers to walk the same road. Like-minded believers. Paul, in all of his three chapters so far, has been, has been exhorting us to have a single mind, a single heart, not divided. I go to the conference and I sit there and I felt like I was on, I was just like sitting here the first lesson and everything just came crashing in and the Lord knocks on my heart and he says, I'm talking to you. So, what was my choice at that point? I could sit back and try to defend well, Lord, you don't understand. No, he understands. And so I simply put my head down, and I just wept. You see, we cannot have a divided heart. And so all conference long, I was thinking, how did we get a divided heart? How do we get a divided heart? How do we, how do we, and then I'm not saying that I was like, okay, boy, pastor, you've been preaching up there and you hadn't loved Jesus. No, 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 I'm not talking that I hadn't loved Jesus. But quite honestly, there's a lot of us who love Jesus, but we've left him for a while. We've moved away. Sort of dual, dual citizenships. Well, Lord, I'm going to focus on here. I'm going to focus on my life. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to, but I still love you. Hey, I'll call you soon. And you go, Ben, you're the pastor. I know. But isn't God good that he's not going down going, you're the pastor. He goes, you're my son. I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. And sometimes, church, we've got to stop going 100 miles an hour to hear what God really wants to say to our hearts. We're busy. We're busy. We've got to, got to, got to. Stop, stop. You go, well, what happens? Well, he says, you need like-minded believers. And then what we're going to discover, check this out, is there's pretenders along the way. Pretenders, yeah, these are actually enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, whose belly is their God. And these are people who have set their mind on earthly things. So Paul's going to exhort us that we need to have partners, we need to have like-minded believers on that same journey, but he's going to go, but by the way, there's, there's some pretenders out there. And then he's going to show us a place, a place where you and I are going to end up forever and ever. It's a place called heaven. And then what I love that Paul does, he goes, okay, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you a place, I'm also going to tell you how to get there. I'm going to tell you how to get there. You go, well, what, what do you mean? He says, let me show you the promotion that you're going to get when you move from this life to a glorious life in heaven. Church, listen to me. I love you, but I think the church of Jesus Christ has put their tent pegs a little bit too deep here on earth. We've put our tent pegs a little bit too deep here on earth. And God's going, okay, it's time that we start behaving. And we're going to look at that here this morning. Now, before we jump in, I want to remind you what we talked about last week. We started out with the pursuit of priority. 
That priority was to know Jesus, to know Jesus. Very important because, listen, if we're honest, many people know about Jesus, but I exhorted you to make sure you know him. You know him. And I don't think anybody would fault you to take a step back and go, God, do I really know you? I know a lot about you. I know your word. I've listened to this podcast. I watched this video, da 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 But do I really know you? And make sure we know him. Because when we know him, we also learn that we needed to move to our next stage, which is to pursue him. Pursue him. Those of you that are married in here, those of you that dated before you got married, all of that stuff, you followed the same steps. You first knew a lot about who you were interested in. Hey, I want to get to know you. I want to tell me what your story is. Tell me your likes. And, your, and you went out on many dates trying to get to know each other. And you could say, I know a lot about her, but then you began to pursue her. You began to pursue him so that you had that intimate relationship, which ends up in marriage. That's how it works. And nowadays in the TV, we have 90 Day Fiancé, we have Married at First Sight, and that, that just goes against everything that we're supposed to learn and know about each other. And so we're pursuing him. And I know the question that you might have. Okay, pastor, pastor, pastor. um, What what does it look like? What what does pursuing Jesus look like? Help me. Well, first and foremost, it looks like a relationship that grows daily. Daily. You go, okay, that's, that's just a general statement. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what it should look like in your life. In a general term, it should say it should look like this that you spend time with him in his word and prayer. The one thing that you and I have is time. And we have to figure out what we do with this time. Are we spending time with him in the word of God? The second thing is, do you seek him when you need wisdom? Do you pour out your heart to him when you need to process something? Do you listen to his voice as he communicates with you? I saw a meme the other day. Tony Clark put it, posted it on Facebook, and he said this, Why are you looking for a sign when God has the answer in his word? And I'm a sign guy. I'm a sign guy. When God was calling us out to Lubbock, Texas, 20 years ago, I'd be driving in New Mexico and Rio Rancho saying, Okay, God, if you want me to move to Texas, I'll see a Texas license plate. Show me a sign. Well, guess what? There'd be a Texas. Oh, there it is. Okay, God, I need another sign. I know Texas Tech is in Lubbock. If you want me in Lubbock, they'll be... And here comes Texas Tech. I'm like... And I bet the Lord was like this. But if we, if we want to hear his voice, he, he speaks to us through this. Now I love that God loves me enough that he gave me a sign. But more importantly, guys, as we seek him, he's going to speak to us through his word. And be careful with Bible roulette. Anybody know Bible roulette? There it is. Oh, and Jesus wept. Okay, well, that didn't help. Don't do Bible roulette. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. 
And number five, here's what we should do. We should behave like him. We should behave like him. You're supposed to imitate him in your dealings. You see, many years ago, we had the wristband that said, what would Jesus do? And nobody's doing what Jesus would do. We would do what we do in our flesh. And instead of walking in humility and humbleness and brokenness, we get prideful and we, we say stuff. Then we discovered five actions to help us. Do you remember that? Five actions to help us pursue. Number one, to have a holy, dissatis- a holy dissatisfaction with where we are in our spiritual lives. We're not comfortable. We're not in cruise control. Yesterday, it's Friday, I was talking to Pastor Ed Taylor. You've heard him on the radio here. And they're in Aurora. And one of the things he said is he says, when sheep get comfortable, that's when they start to complain. When sheep get comfortable. And I don't want to be comfortable. I want to go, I have a holy dissatisfaction of where I'm at. I'm going to keep pushing in to know God, to pursue Him. I, I'm not happy. And it doesn't mean we walk around and say, what's the matter? Well, I'm just not where I want to be with Jesus. But we just have this, this holy dissatisfaction. We also have a holy focus to where we're going. Where are we going? I've got, a, I've got this laser beam focus. But you're also moving in the right direction. You've got a holy direction moving forward, not backward. We're moving forward, not backward. And then we have a holy determination. And then last but not least, to pursue Jesus, he gives us and he calls us a holy participation. A holy participation. We're all doing this together. As we move forward to an ever-changing world, here's what you must do. You ready? May I exhort you to forget those things which are behind. Let go of the past. It's really that simple. We can learn from our past, but please don't live there. That's where we get tripped up. Well, God could never use me because... Well, God could never do anything in my life because of what I did. We, we learn from it, and we move forward. And then he says, you need to reach forward to those things that are ahead. It gives, the, it gives the picture of the runner lunging to win the race. To win the race. When you run the race, stay focused. Don't look back. Because if you look back, you won't be able to cross the tape. You stay laser focused and reach forward to what God has for you. This is what he's saying. He's saying reach forward to those things and you go, what else? He says, press on toward the goal. The goal. How many of you ever ran a race just to run? We don't run the race just to run. We run a race to win. To win. It's in our DNA, okay, if I'm going to run this race, I want to win. And you go, Ben, everybody's faster than you. But see, my win is different than your win. My win is I want to cross the finish line. Can you imagine? All right, got the, got the pistol ready, the starter, and you mark, it's it, poof, and you go, ah, nah. I hurt my leg. You know, no, we, we run, and even if we're running like this, we want to we finish the race. Think about that spiritually. Think about that spiritually. We're, we're, 
we'll press on toward the goal. What's the goal? What's the goal? Let me give you a goal. As you grow old, as you grow old and you mature in Christ, one of the goals we should have is this seasoned grace upon grace. And somebody asks you, how are you doing? Oh, praise God. I'm ready for heaven. Oh, I don't feel too great, but I'm ready to go. How are you, young man? We want to grow in, in just grace and knowing, man, we've got an eternal home that's right around the corner. So then Paul, what does he do? He continues his teaching and he turns the attention to citizenship. Citizenship. Look with me real quick. I draw your attention to verse 20 of Philippians chapter 3. Verse 20, Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, For our citizenship, does everybody see that? Our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you, if you don't mind, to either highlight that on your phone or circle that word in your Bible, because it's a, it's a very complex word. If we were to remember way back in chapter 1, verse 27, Paul doesn't use the word citizenship, he actually uses the word conduct. But it's the same word. It's the same word. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. In verse 27 of chapter 1, he uses, I'll read in the New Living Translation so you get the point. It says, above all, he's talking to us, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a worthy manner of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting for the faith, which is the good news. So, what does the word citizenship mean? What does the word conduct mean? Well, in the Greek, guys, it's a very interesting word. And I would pronounce it in the Greek, but to be honest with you, I would butcher it. It's P-O-L-I-T. E-U-O-M-A-I. And here's what it means. It's where we get the word politics, but not like, not like our politics in our world. It's where we get policy. It's actually translated out police. But it actually means to behave as a citizen, a townsman. And it's referred to in the public duties devolving upon a man as the member of the body. You go, well, Ben, what does that mean? Paul is exhorting us that our citizenship is in heaven. You and I are citizens of heaven. Now, this is interesting because we're not in heaven. We're here. So how can I be a citizen there? Listen, when I die and I go to heaven, then I could go, hey, I'm in heaven. I am now a citizen in heaven. But Paul says, no, no, no. When you got born again, you became a citizen in heaven. A citizen in heaven. Which reminds us, you ready church? This means that we're simply passing through here on earth. 
They're called sojourners. And later, we're going to discover that we can't have a dual citizenship. We cannot be citizens of this darkness called the world and citizens of heaven. We can't have a dual citizenship. If you and I, if you and I, as citizens of heaven, are simply passing through, then what should life look like here on earth? What should it look like? And that's what Paul's going to teach us today. Picking it up with me, guys, verse 17, as we jump into our study, Paul writes, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Pattern. You go, what did Paul say there? Honestly, Ben, help me. Paul is saying, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your life after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Example. If you look deep, the very first thing we discover is Paul is exhorting, encouraging us to partner with those on the same journey. We're all on the same road. We're all walking the same way. But I want you to note two operative words. As Paul says, join in, follow my example, he writes this, brethren, join in in following my example. You go, okay, Paul, we can follow. You've told us that before. He says, but note those. Note those. Yeah, the word is those. He says, note those who have the same walk. Okay, As you have us, everybody say us. Us. Say it again. He's saying us. Why? Because he says, I want you to look around and I want you to see who's on the same journey. He said, and you can follow that example. Now, specifically, he's going to talk about Timothy and Epaphrodites. Of course, Christ is our example. So he's talking about this in context. But the principle and the application for us would be, I need to look around and see who's walking with me, and I want to walk with them so they can encourage me and I can encourage them. Our problem, if you will, is that we get territorial in our walks with God. We go, oh no, I can't have you. Oh no, I'm I'm doing it instead of coming and going, man, I need your help. I need I I need your help. I help me here. I'm struggling here. I'm not struggling here. I'm doing great here. Well, help me. And, 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 and that's how God does this. And so we need a partner. If we're citizens of heaven, we have to surround ourselves with those that are like-minded and walk the same path. So I want a partner with them who encourage me in my journey. What does encouragement look like? Well, sometimes it looks like, hey, high five, keep going, bro, you're doing great. Other times it's, a, it's an exhortation, it's a correction. Oh, 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 that's exactly what God did. God sat me down and, and out of the blue, he, I just knew God was going to speak to me and he began to speak to me and he began to tear down the wall that I built on my heart and, and it, was, it wasn't, Ben, good job, go back to Loba, high five. It was, we got some work to do, boy. We got some work to do, son. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. See, the good news is if God's still working on your pastor, you guys are in great shape. Because your pastor doesn't know it all. 
He just loves you. He wants you to grow. But he's got to grow too. He's got to grow too. So we want to partner with those. We want to partner. I think it would be amazing to partner with those. And I would say you would have 33% of maybe people that you mentor, you pour into, You've got those people, and you've got, you've got 33% of who your colleagues are, somebody who's walking alongside with you, kind of the same spiritual level that you can bounce stuff off, you have a great time, and then I think you have 33% of who you look up to as a mentor, and you grow in, oh, 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 I like that. Somebody who might be a little bit farther along. You go, oh, yeah. And so, and so I mean, think about that. Think about that. Paul, guys in Scripture, often and regularly, if you will, presents himself as a model for believers to follow. In the Philippians, he also praises, you guys know this, he praises uh, the worthy imitation of Christ himself, Timothy, and Epaphrodites. And it wasn't that Paul was so proud, look at me, follow me, right? He couldn't be the only example. And so he told the Philippians to note those who so walk and the way he spoke, and he noted that the, the Philippians had us as a pattern, and saying, Paul saying, I'm the only pattern. Paul didn't say, hey, imitate me because I'm the only one. Now listen, you all come to church and you do exactly, you all imitate me and we'll be good. Paul's like, no, 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 listen, we're a body. And I want to exhort you. I want to exhort you. So I need a partner in my spiritual journey. Which brings to my mind, I need to be a good follower. I need to be a good follower and a good believer. If somebody's going to imitate my life, then I need to be a good follower first. You cannot be a good leader until you're first a good follower. And I want to be a good follower in the things of God. And when I make a mistake, I'm able to confess that mistake. I'm able, to, I'm able to say, I'm sorry. I'm able to say, please. I don't ever want to get prideful and say, no, it's either my way or the highway. I have to consistently check my walk to make sure that I'm representing heaven, God the Father, and my Jesus well. How often, church, should we check our walks? I think we should check our walks on the daily. Now, as humans, we all make mistakes, but the goal is to represent our heavenly home well by participating with others in this journey. We need partners. We need partners. But now something's changed in the life of Paul. Something is going to, well, let's take a look. Picking it up in verse 18, notice what Paul says. He says, For many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and who set their mind on earthly things. Your attention, please. Paul is not weeping because he's in prison. Paul is not weeping. He's, his heart is so for people that Paul is actually weeping 
Because there are people who are not walking with God like others. These tears are not for himself at all. They are shed for others. And so Paul's going, hey, hey, listen, we all need each other. You need partners. Keep going, man. I'm encouraging. Hang on. Hold hands. Let's do this. And then he looks and he goes, oh, and he begins to cry. And he sees, and he sees there's a group of people. And his heart is broken. Why? Because they profess to be Christians, but they're living like there is no God. And they're pretenders. They're pretenders. They have their mind on earthly things, not heavenly things. It's all about what's down here. And Paul is actually heartbroken. And it's really sad to see. But our encouragement is, guys, remember, along the way on your spiritual journey, Paul reminds us that there will be pretenders. And it's not for you and I to go, huh, which one? Which one is it? I'm going to... I'm going to go around and, and secretly sin, uh, sniff sin. Which one? Oh, is it you? Is it? No, it's not you. Maybe. That's not what he's calling us to do. Are you a pretender? Are you, are you a pretender? He's not saying that. He's saying, so you and I go, okay, we know they exist, and our hearts break for them. We know they exist. Oh, man, he says, I told you with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross. Enemies. Wow. These men and women are pretending to be citizens of heaven all the while they're enemies of the cross. Can you imagine? Now, the Bible says that you and I are not supposed to go around and, 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 and sniff them out or try to... He, they're going to grow with the church. They're gonna, the wheat and the tares are going to grow together. We'll leave that up to him. But our hearts should break. And what you and I should do is not focus on who's pretending, but focus and make sure that we're not pretending. You can see it. You can see it in the life of people. But that's not our job. Our job is to go, God, what about me? And Paul writes, but listen, Ben, I get you, but these people, oh, why am I crying? Paul, why are you crying? He says, because they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about life here on earth. Here on earth. It was Pastor Warren Wisby who writes, and I quote, Paul is weeping over the professed Christians whose lives are bearing fruit of a worldly mindedness, and he describes them as the mind of earthly things, which means they only think of this world and what it has to offer. Number two, they live for the flesh, their God is their stomach, and he says, and their end is destruction, unquote. So these people are enemies of the cross of Christ. But the cross actually defeated the world in the flesh. If you're an enemy of the cross, think about what the cross means to you. It speaks of sacrifice and suffering. And yet, the people live for this world, and they only seek to pleasure themselves. What an awful thing to be an enemy of the cross and yet profess to be a believer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
So let's break it down. Let's break it down. What does this mean? He says, whose end is destruction. Guys, circle that word for destruction because it's the same word for perdition in other places. And so this can refer to in either their ultimate damnation or to the present destruction. My opinion, my opinion only, is I believe it's both. I believe it's both. Paul assures the Philippians that such people will face divine judgment. Now let me ask you this, how precious is one soul to you? That we would weep for the lost. But not only that, but we would weep for those who live a life of hypocrisy and say, I believe in God, but live like there is not one. Paul says, their end is destruction, the ultimate damnation, apart from God, but yet the present destruction. Guys, we see that all around us. He says, whose God is their belly. You go, what does that mean? This describes idolatry of, of these enemies. Not that they were necessarily focused on eating, if you will, but their belly here has a broader sense to sensual indulgence in general. They live for pleasures of the body, mind, and soul. So they're like, hey, whatever goes. Whatever, whatever it is. You know that old saying, whatever feels good, do it. That's, not, that's their heart. And it's like, no, that's, that's the God of their belly. Hey, man, I'm only young once. And, and we even coined the phrase YOLO. You only live once, go for it. And that's not the God that we serve. He comes back and he says, whose glory is their shame. This shows the misplaced priorities of the enemies. They gloried about things that they should have been ashamed about. Yeah, man, I've, I've slept with these girls and I've done this and I've done, yeah, man, that's all right. God has forgiven me. No, that's shameful. That's shameful. We should be broken. We should be broken. Who set their mind on earthly things. This describes the focus of their life, whatever's here on earth. I'm going to get more. I'm going to get mine. And it's not to please and worship God, but to get along in this world. Their attitude was the same like the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 12. He was sad and he walked away. So along the way, church, we're going to see pretenders. I pray that we have a heart that's broken for them. Well, I can't talk to them anyway. That's okay. We can pray for them and we can love them. And we hope that we would love some people back to life. And then Paul goes on and he shows us the third thing we're going to see is the place. The place. Verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we are eagerly wait the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven. Listen to me. That's where we belong. And like we talked about earlier, I don't want to have dual citizenship. I don't want to have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. First and foremost, I walk funny this way. And I don't want us to walk funny. I want you to know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean think about this. Heaven, this is not like a giant subject. Because if we're being honest, every one of us for the moment goes, okay, when I die, I go to heaven. I'll go to heaven. I'll go to heaven. I don't know what heaven. Here's what I've heard about heaven. And then we have movies that come up and, and we all want to know more about heaven. But really, what does the Bible say about heaven? I think it's important to go to the Bible. 
Well, according to 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 16, the, Paul, John writes, Do not love this world or the things of the world. Sorry, I messed up. Got to go back. Before we get to heaven, what does the Bible say about the world? Because I don't want to have dual citizenship. He says this, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not the Father, but it is of the world. So that's what the world is about. So our citizenship is in heaven. It shouldn't be here. Do not love the world. And he goes on to say, We eagerly wait for the Savior to come and take us home. So we really don't belong here. You don't belong here. You're a foreigner. You're just passing through. Now, think about this. When we got on the plane, every one of those agents asked me for my driver's license. They wanted to know if I was a citizen, first and foremost, of the United States. But on my driver's license, it says Lubbock, Texas. So I'm an official citizen of Lubbock, Texas. And I got on a plane and I flew to Colorado, and in Colorado, I'm not a citizen. Why? My citizenship is in Lubbock, Texas. So what were you doing in Colorado? Just passing through. Just passing through. It's the same thing here. He says, while we wait, we're just, we're just passing through. Our end goal is heaven. And here's my, here's, and he, here's my heart for you. I don't want to go to heaven unless you all go with me. I don't want to be in heaven without you. That's Paul's heart. I don't want to go to heaven without you. And you and I, we all have family and friends and relatives and moms and dads and uncles and we have children that are not serving Lord and, and one day we're going to hear the trumpet sound and we're going to go to heaven and we know that there are people here that are going to be left behind and our hearts break. There's one thing better than going to heaven and that's taking somebody with you. But I'm not interested in just somebody. I want a lot of buddies. I want to, you guys want the same thing. We have the greatest gift ever, and we're not supposed to keep it inside. We're supposed to share. I give you permission to re-gift salvation. You know what a re-gifter is? You get a present, you open it up, you go, oh, that's nice, and then you wrap it again and give it to somebody else, somebody who's not friends with the person you got it from. You're re-gifters. That's okay. With salvation, you're saved. It's okay to re- Hey, let me tell you how I got saved. I'm ready to re-gift this, man. Re-gift this. But since we don't belong here, what does the Word of God say about heaven? Well, let me give you very quickly. Number one, heaven is the dwelling place of God. Heaven isn't heaven unless God's there. Can we agree? I don't want to be in paradise without my Jesus. I don't want to be impaired. Well, the, your loved ones, the people who have gone before you. Amen. That's bonus. That's cherry on the cake. I want, I want to see my Jesus. Number two, heaven is a dwelling place of God's angels. Number three, heaven is a dwelling place of God's saints from earth who have died and now live there in his presence. So anyone who has died accepting Jesus, they're there. They're there. This is what the Bible says. 
Heaven is an actual place to and from which Christ, angels, and a rare circumstances of people, even prior to their deaths, have traveled. Paul went and said, Whoo! I can't even, I don't even have words to say, to tell you what I saw. To tell you what I saw. But more importantly, the Bible says that heaven is the Christian's country of citizenship. And Christ is our king. We are his ambassadors representing his agenda on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now you go, what's the point? Here's the point. God saved you, but he saved you for a reason. Your citizenship is locked in heaven, so why did he save you? He saved you. He saved you so that you can, here's what it says, you can represent his agenda here on earth. Yeah, but I'm going to medical school. Yeah, but I'm going to this. Yeah, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be whatever you want to be. That's fine. But you still represent your citizenship. Someone comes to you and says, I'm going to take that away from you. Go, go ahead. God's got me. God's got me. Well, I'm going to take this way. Go ahead. Go ahead. My citizenship is in heaven. And that might hurt on earth for a season, but ultimately, that's the goal. That's the goal. And represent him well. How do, what do, I, how do I represent him? People are watching your lives. And if you're saying one thing and living completely different, what, are you, what, what kingdom are you directing them to? Take a moment, take a heart, do a heart check. God, where am I with you? Am I a saved mosquito? I can't, be a, I can't have a dual citizenship. I need to repent and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. And you go, Ben, I love heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I, don't, I just don't know how. Well, as we close our Bible study, now don't close your Bibles. I want to tell you how we get to heaven. I want to tell you how we get to heaven. Verse 21 says, God who will transform our lowly body that may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all the things himself. You ready? Not only are we to partner in the journey And not only will we run into pretenders, but we see this glorious place called heaven. And now, for the fourth P in our study, notice the promotion. We're being promoted. We're being promoted. This is where God transforms us from this life on earth to our new heaven and home. Now, go back to verse 21 for a minute. It says, who, okay, well, let's, let's go back just a little bit, just a little bit more. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. Who's the Savior? The Lord Jesus Christ, comma, who, so we're talking about Jesus, God will transform our lowly body that we may be conformed to his glorious body. Guys, think about this. He's going to take our weak mortal bodies and change them into a glorious body. Using the same power which will bring everything under control. 
the glorious promotion. Man, some people call it graduation day. Some people said went home to be with Jesus. But I can't wait for that day. That day. Well, yeah, Ben, but that's because you're getting older. When you were in your 20s, when you were in your 30s, you were full of life. You wanted to see all that the world had and you wanted to experience all kinds. But now that you're getting older, Ben, I could understand that. I could see. Listen to me, young people. The world you're going to experience in the millennial reign is going to be far better than anything you can experience here today. I promise you. I promise you. Heaven is far better than anything this world has to offer. And we cannot raise the earth's value over Jesus can't. You can't. Think about your glorious, think about how he's going to transform, who's going to transform it? It's, it's God who transforms us. And we're going to graduate. And we're citizens of heaven. And one day God's going to transform this mortal body to live forever in heaven with him. But let me add, wait, like the Ginsu knives, but wait, there's more. There's more. If you order today, think about this. All those little aches and pains, as you get older, they come out of nowhere. You used to get up in the morning, and you used to say, Good morning, Lord! And now you get up and you say, Good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> and, you're, and, you're, and you're talking to your knees, Please work today. Please work today. Please work today. And, and, and our bodies are... They're, they're breaking down because of sin. Our minds, come on, help me older people, our minds think we could still do what these kids could do. All right, Jeremiah, a little one-on-one. Let's go, buddy. Boom. Okay. I'm going to take Jeremiah on on one-on-one. I'm gonna t- yeah, him and I are going one-on-one, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run from him and shoot from the outside. And he's going to come in and he's going to hurt me. You can't hurt your pastor, okay? So no, right? And then I'm going to employ Abel because Abel's his. And I'll say, okay, Abel, you play. I'll just referee. (laughs) We can't do it. But I love the fact that, okay, one of these days I'm going to lay all of these hurts, these aches, these pains, cancer, lupus, all these stuff. I'm going to lay it down and God's going to restore me brand new. Brand new. Think about this. Joe, think about this. Beverly, think about this. In heaven, in your glorified body, you won't even know what pain is. You won't, you'll be like, wow. Wow. All of us will have that glorious. God's going to do that. That's his promise to you. If you're in Christ. If you've surrendered your heart completely. Think about this. Those who believe in Christ will be raised and their bodies will be transformed. But don't take my word for it. Let's see in Scripture. Romans 8.11 says this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit who dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who died. So you see, just as death came into the world through man, one man through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has through another, begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Let me give you one more. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we shall all be transformed. It will happen at the moment, at the blink of an eye, when the last trump is blown. For when the trump sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Last thought. We cannot, cannot, should not have a divided heart. So if you're here today and you're feeling the Holy Spirit knock on you saying, hey, where's your focus been lately? Do what I did. Take a step back and repent. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've allowed other things to divide my heart and I'm ready to come home. I want to partner with those that are walking in the same journey, and that way I don't get off the path again. I will remember in this journey that there are pretenders, and I won't take my cue from them. I know that there will be people that will say, praise the Lord, and not mean it. Paul says they're enemies of the cross. I will pray for them, I will cry for them, but I will continue on my journey. And I will see that one day, Whether death takes me or Jesus comes back, I will be in heaven. And one day he's going to promote me to a glorious body that I'll have forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's going to be amazing. What's my plan in all of this? What's my my job? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Let him do the work because I'm already a citizen of heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth, God, of just looking at our joy of citizenship. Lord, we should have joy that we're going to heaven. Lord, we should be ecstatic and praising and worshiping. Thank you for providing heaven. But honestly, Lord, heaven isn't heaven unless you're there. Unless you, 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 you're there. Unless you're there. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. Lord Jesus, I know you love every single person in this room. You love all those that are watching online. You love all those that are listening by radio or even the internet. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God, I know you're here and I love everyone here. 
And there is nothing, nothing, nothing better than going to heaven. Except, Lord, I want everyone in this room and everyone listening to go with me. Only, Lord, my life doesn't atone for them. But yours does. And so... As the Bible study is coming to an end, Lord, I would pray your spirit would do the work that it always does. It points our lonely hearts to Jesus. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, in all honesty, if today you would acknowledge and confess, Pastor, I feel like I've been living a dual citizenship. I've had a divided heart, but today I feel the Holy Spirit moving in my heart that I need a single heart for Jesus. I would like for you, Pastor, to pray for me. I want just that undivided, wonderful, I, I want to go back to my first love. I want to go back to where I had the joy of my salvation. I want to go back where you were everything to me. And I didn't compromise. I didn't let the world compromise. I don't want to play games anymore, Lord. The world is getting darker and darker, and I just want to make sure that I'm right with you. If that's you, and God has been knocking on your heart, and you just need prayer, would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand and I'll acknowledge you and say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? God bless you, my brother. Good move. Very brave. Thank you. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. God bless you, sister. I see you right here. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. Just You just had a little bit of a pulling for the world and you're like, no, today I'm refocusing my heart to you. I surrender all. I pray, Lord Jesus, for these hands, divided hearts, valuing something far greater than you, that we would repent and turn our hearts back to you. That, Lord, church service isn't about hurry up, Ben, we got to get out of here by a certain time, but more importantly, that your spirit would move and that we would confess our sin to you and that we would feel the presence of your Holy Spirit coming back and restoring that joy. If you feel like you've had a divided heart, go back and do the first fruits that you did when you first got saved. Listen to those pastors that you used to listen to. Listen to that music that you used to listen to. Just go back and let that wash and bring you back to the place. But I've got to ask you a question. Many of us in this room might have a divided heart. I get it. But what if you're here and, and you're not saved? And right now you're going, I don't know if I'm really saved. I don't know if I'm really born again. And you're talking about heaven, Pastor, and I'm not sure if I'd go there. I'm hoping that, that God would have mercy on me and that, and, and that my good works would kind of help that. And, and that, that's really the honest truth. I'm hoping that maybe my religion back in the day would, would really um, um, 
I mean, that would just carry me through, but I'm honest, being honest with you, Pastor, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. And then you talked about promotion. I, I'm, I, I can't even think about that. But can I tell you one thing? If you're here today and you don't feel like you're saved or you've never made a prayer, or you've never made a commitment to God, or you've even backslidden, I have some good news for you. Today, the Lord Jesus wants you home. He's on his way, but he wants to make sure you're home. You go, Ben, what do I have to do? Um, he's asking you to, to surrender all today. He's wanting you to say, I surrender all, Lord, completely to you. And this is the most spiritual time of the whole, of the whole service because God's Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart and he's wanting to give you brand new eternal life. You go, what do I have to do, Pastor? What do I have to do? If you're serious about God and you really want a fresh start and you want eternal life and you want heaven and you want to be a citizen of heaven, then I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are. Say, Pastor, I'm ready to surrender. You go, Pastor, what if everybody sees? It doesn't matter. Their eyes should be closed. Their heads should be bowed. This is between you and God. But if you're not right with God, if you don't have a right relationship with him, today's your day. Would you just stand right now and say, Pastor, just pray for me. Just pray for me. I want to give my life to God once and for all. Would you do that right now? I'm just going to give you an opportunity. I just want to make sure every one of us is in heaven. God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Today is the day I surrender my life to you. I believe in you. I love you. And I need you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. And be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.